Thank you, Lord God, for your presence here today among us. We give you praise and worship and glory and honor, Father, for your presence. For where your presence, there is fullness of joy. We're so blessed, Lord, to be with you. So blessed, Lord, to fellowship with you. More abundantly blessed to be able to fellowship with you, with my brothers and my sisters today. And I ask you, Lord, that as we are before you this week, in the ways in which you've directed us to walk, that you'll lift us up to new plateaus of spiritual effectiveness and spiritual power, that you'll bring us from uh, uh, glory to glory, from a faith to a greater faith. I thank you, Father, that we will gain ground upon which we can stand and not back up. And from that position of victory, that revelation of victory, of who and where we are in Christ, we will be able to dictate to principalities and powers, world events, change the course of history here and there and, and in many ways and in many places in such a way that the gospel will be freely preached and the name of Jesus lifted up and all that which is arrayed against the church, not even the gates of hell, will prevail. And we give you praise and glory and honor for victory in Jesus, for his word that does not fail, for his word, your word in our lips that will not return, but what it has accomplished that which you please, and it has and is prospering in the reason for which you have sent it and spoken it. We bless, honor, and glorify you for that today, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen, and amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. There's electricity today in the spirit here. I don't think it's static electricity either. Hallelujah. Welcome. One way we love God's by loving one another. Turn around and greet somebody. Shake their hand. Hug their neck. Tell them you love them. Tell them your name. Introduce yourself. Jesus is here. Love is here. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm really blessed to see so many people at one o'clock coming out to sit before the Lord. And, and uh, he had an appointment with the Lord. We all had yeah. Well, actually, that's. Uh, did you just wander in here, or did the Lord tell you to come? How many of you really feel like God has you here today? Yeah, Amen. Well, good, because now we got you. Because the Lord's given us some specific instruction on the week, and I don't think you've ever been. Maybe you have, but I don't. I doubt it. But uh, I'm not sure you've ever been in a meeting or a week quite like what the Lord's brought you to. I, I, I was reminded years ago. I'd have to go Google it to remember the date. 
I believe it was either a Wednesday night or a Sunday night service. And our worship leader, Sue, uh, was pushing into the spirit. And I got up to preach, but I couldn't preach because the spirit of prayer came on the body. And I didn't just lead in prayer. I, we all prayed. In fact, as far as I know, they ignored me and prayed on their own, which is all right. You know, how many of you know the Lord's listening to you? Amen. And so this wave of prayer hit the body. And I remember I just was pacing back and forth on the pulpit, praying out in, in, in other tongues. And I want to encourage everybody, if you're here and you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, you've never spoken in other tongues, today's your day. And, and, and if you need some answers to some questions, we'll sit with you, we'll share some things with you. But there's nothing like the prayer language of the Holy Spirit for a life of prayer. And I know some people, they've, they've been shocked and looked at me and said, oh my God, you speak in tongues? And I just look back in shock and say, oh my God, you don't? <laughs> so you don't have to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So I was pacing back and forth. We had some white poles on the platform. Every once in a while I'd lean on one, pray in the Holy Ghost. And uh, all of a sudden, in tongues, this word started coming out. You know how some of the words in tongues, I don't know, I've experienced where it seems like I'm changing languages or dialects. You ever, you ever sense that in your own prayer life? And I started saying this word in tongues, not shukabundi. We had a guest speaker that, 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 that was, I think, the only word in tongues he knew. I think he made it up. But anyhow, no, I was praying and this word shevernazi came out. I thought it was tongues. And I, I, I just was, was repeating it over and over. Shever Nazi, Shever Nazi. And I'm, I'm praying in tongues and I'd pray in tongues and then that word would come out, Shever Nazi. I, I didn't pick up a whole lot. I knew there was something going on because it felt like you were drilling a well. But it was the next day. Uh, young fellow comes in with a newspaper. And the president of Georgia there had been an assassination attempt and they hit his convoy with rocket, shoulder-mounted rockets, killed everybody except the president and one of his assistants. And they pile out of the back of the car and, and, and completely untouched, the guy gave a, 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 an interview immediately and said, it's the hand of God that spared me. President Shevardnadze. I'll never forget that. And I'm thinking, just some old redneck from Titusville, Pennsylvania, who didn't even know where Georgia was and might get it confused with the state of Georgia at that time. But the Holy Ghost will use you. Yeah. And if there's anything I know, if he'll use me, he'll use you. And for sure, if God would use Bob Hawk, he'll use anybody in this room. <laughs> and there ain't no doubt about it, right? Because prayer is is our entree into his presence. And, and with the name of Jesus, well, really all things are possible. So before we pray in, this, in just a few minutes, there's two things I want you to do. If you have a piece of paper or, or a little scratch note in your Bible, or if you don't, get, get one of your friends or maybe a bulletin. It's a simple exercise I've 
Somebody did this to me when I was young in the Lord, and it helped me. And I've done it a few times, and it helps people. The first thing I want you to do is stir yourself up by putting yourself in remembrance. Do you know Peter said that? I want you to write one, two, three on that piece of paper. And I want you to write down three things that you prayed for and God gave you an answer. Because when we turn around and get on our knees, the first thing I'm going to ask you to do is thank the Lord for those answers to prayer. I learned a long time ago that the Lord loves it when we praise him for answers. That's what a testimony is, isn't it? Isn't it a shame that sometimes we, we think, you know, last week's testimony is stale bread. We got we, we, you know, and we forget about it. Well, I like to have fresh bread. I like a testimony today. But you know, when he healed us 30 years ago, it's still worth shouting about. Amen? Don't forget that David danced before the Lord, praising God for splitting the Red Sea, and David wasn't there. When's the last time you danced naked before the Lord with all your might, praising the Lord for splitting the Red Sea? Some of you are looking at me like you're a little wild. You never danced naked before the Lord. <laughs> well, David danced before the Lord. You read it in the book of Psalms and thank God for splitting the Red Sea. He was never there. You ever praise the Lord with all your might for splitting the Red Sea? Well, so write down one, two, three. And then write down three things that you prayed for and God gave an answer. It might be the first prayer you remember, you know. Maybe you were a, a new believer and you asked the Lord for a job. I'm a, I remember I was a new believer and we had a Bible study and there was no music. So I asked the Lord for a guitar. I prayed. I got on my knees. I mean, it was like I was going to the bank. I got on my knees and I, I, I'd read sermon from Brother Hagin in a little yellow book. <laughs> I laid it all out. Lord, we got a Bible study. We don't have any worship. But if you give me a guitar, I'll learn how to, I'll learn how to play it. That was my prayer. And I was 16 years old. And nobody knew I prayed that prayer. I prayed that in secret. And a couple of days later, I had a guitar. Nice, expensive Ibanez guitar. Now I'm swallowed real hard because now I told the Lord I have, I'd learn to play it. And I still have that guitar. And it's a memory to me that I prayed. And he answered my prayer. Come on, people. Three things. You say, well, I, I, I can't think of three things. Think a little harder. Because I know the Lord's answered three prayers of yours. If he hasn't, go out in the hall and, and pray real quick right now. And he'll, he'll answer that. Come back in and fill that in. Because when we turn around here for a minute, what I want you to do is I want you to have a heart of gratitude to the Lord. How many of you know if he's answered prayers in, in your life, he wants, he wants to answer your prayers? Yeah. Amen. Some people say, well, I don't think we should pray so much for ourselves. Now, that's like the football player saying, I don't think I should go to the gym and exercise. See, when you have a fruitful prayer life on a personal level, well, then it's easy praying for other folk. And if they need money, it's easy to give them your money because you prayed for that in the first place. Right? Don't, don't ever let the religion twist you up and say, oh, I shouldn't pray for myself. Jesus said, I want you to pray so that your joy might be full. So if you're a little down in the mouth, 
maybe you ought to see some answers to prayer. Three prayers, right? Now, I want you to write one, two, three again. Because you've got a week ahead of you. You didn't know that I was going to lay this on you. But God told you to come. Sometimes he wants to stretch us, right? In January, I got up, I was seeking the Lord in the first week or so of January. I got up before the Lord, and the Lord said, I want you to fast. Well, you know, I, I have a deal with the Lord that he, he dealt with me when I was a teenager. When he says fast, I fast one day. At the end of the day, I seek him. And, 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 if, and if he doesn't tell me to stop, I fast three. And, I, and at the end of three, I seek him. And if he doesn't tell me to stop, I fast seven. And at the end of seven, I seek him. And if he doesn't tell me to stop, I, I go 21. And at the end of 21, if he doesn't tell me to stop, I go 40. I never went 40. Three times I've done 21. January, he told me to fast. And I knew it in the back of my head. This is going to be a long fast. And I didn't really like it. How I many of you know when God stretches you? All right, so you might not, there's some things about this week you might not like. I don't care. Because the Lord told me to do this. He told you to come. So he's going to stretch you. I want you to write down three things you're going to pray and you're going to get them. Could be the salvation of your brother. Oh, yeah. It, it could be a financial miracle that's beyond you. It could be the restitution of a, of a broken life. It could be the healing of someone that's at the ICU right now. I, God uses your heart of compassion as the prayer radar in your life. You know what I mean by that? You, you know, that's, in many ways, that's what compassion's all about. Three things that you're going to say, I, I'm going to reach out, I'm going to pray. Now, right now, in the back of your mind, if you're saying, well, you know, I might not, I might not see the answer. Ah, oh, shut up. Just, just don't, don't, don't let the devil bring that little mosquito in the back of your ear there. Three things. Three things to rejoice about. Three things to stretch your faith. Could be a new car. Could be a new job. Could be starting a new church. Could be... F- could be meeting your wife. That's for the single ones. Sometimes you got to make it simple. Right? Could be for having a baby. Amen? Could be for 10 men to go on the next trip to Ukraine. Amen? Three things. Now, you might not have, I'm going to tell you this right now. When we turn around and we pray, I want you to have those three to worship. You might not have those three immediately. I'm not against you praying for an hour before you write those three down. Because you might find you wrote, you know, uh, to have a good night's sleep and uh, uh, bless mom and dad and uh, uh, that the roses, you know, don't die early this year, you know. And, and you're going to pray for an hour, and then you're going to go erase one of them say, that's pretty simple. Those three things ought to be divinely inspired in your, in, 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 in your heart by the Holy Ghost. Probably, mo- 
probably all of them impossible or at least improbable. Amen? But you're going to get three. You're going to aim big. I encourage you to pray bigger than you've prayed before. Amen? Pretty easy instruction, isn't it? But then as we turn around, we get on our knees and we pray. And we're going to pray in the next session as well. And I'm going to encourage you just a little bit, not as much as I am this time. I wanted to lay some ground rules. I want you to consider some things I've been learning. And that is, just as I used to prepare to teach a Bible study group, or I used to prepare to teach and preach a sermon, or I'd prepare, you prepare a little bit different to teach a week of Bible school, you know, but you got a system of how you prepare. Consider preparing to pray. Consider preparing to pray. What promises are you going to meditate on and bring before the Lord? What, what areas is it that you feel the Spirit is leading you? See, if I'm going to preach, let's just be honest, all right? I think, I think there's, there's been enough experience in this room that you'd understand me. If, if someone asked me to preach, well, let me say it another way. If I were to ask Larry to preach, you know what I know he's going to do? He's going to ask the Lord, what should I preach? He's not going to go find some book and just flip through it and say, oh, that one looks good. No, that one's boring, right? He's not going to go down to the barber shop and talk to Fred and ask Fred what he's going to preach. What's he going to do? He's going to ask the Lord, what's sermon? Why? Because anybody can preach. Anybody can shoot a bow and arrow, but not everybody can hit the target. You want to preach the right sermon, right? Well, what if you put that same thought process to praying? I, 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 I mean, you might want to just sit in the living room with a cup of tea and, and fellowship with the Lord and ask him, what do you want me to be praying about, Lord? What, what, do, you want, what do you want me to be focused on? What do you want me to see change? And how can I change it? And prepare your heart in fellowship with him and in that way, you'll have more confidence that when you pray, it's not just you praying, but the Lord prompting you to pray. And you'll feel responsible for that praying. And you'll keep praying until you get the answer. Amen. Now, what would happen if every prayer in your life was answered? That's right. I got, I got eight things here. What happens when people learn how to pray and they get answers? Number one, they want to pray more. Amen? If in the next hour or two or three hours or tomorrow or the next, you start to stall, you start to get a little tired, you start to wane, one of the things I'm sure of is you've lost sight of the answer. You've lost sight of the answer. But God's going to give you those three things. I think you can stick it out this week for these three things. Amen? Boy, Friday we're going to have so many testimonies. And some of them will have testimonies before Friday. Amen? The other thing, number two, when people learn how to pray, they want to be with people who pray. 
Amen. I like to be with people who pray. Number three, the presence of two or three successful prayer warriors often sparks a revival. Number four, there's a tangible sense of God's plan of action in their life. You know, a lot of times we lose sight of the vision God's given us because we're not in a good prayer place. Remember reading Charles Finney about that. He talked very candidly about how he lost the vision for his life until he'd take some time apart and pray and fast and that fire would come back and he knew his purpose. Number five, when a man or woman's prayers are answered consistently, they don't really need anything else. Amen? Number six, they possess a carefree boldness to act on God's word and to obey his voice. And finally, number seven, they possess a supernatural joy. They ask, they receive, and they have a fullness of joy. Amen? I know what I'm talking about. Last couple months, and a real bad case of PTSD. Uh, I don't mean to shock anybody, but it's a wonderful experience. I encourage everyone to experience it. You all ought to have a little bit of it from time to time. PTSD will change your whole perspective of what's important in life. Praising the Savior daily is infectious. What PTSD were you thinking about? (laughs) Sorry, I'm in a bad humor today. Thank you, Jesus. PTSD, praise the Savior daily. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. So there's three things to give him praise. Let's start there. I'm going to invite you to stand up. Here's the ground rules. I, I, don't, I don't think you want anything that will distract you, so don't play with your phone or read a book. All right? Some of you, it's one of the things that I like about kneeling is it tells my body, hey, dummy, you're praying. That's what kneeling does for me. Sometimes I lay out on the floor on my face because my body wants to do something else, think about something else, solve a problem. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Some of you, though, kneeling is, is more difficult, whether you've got some joint problems or what have you. I'm not telling you you have to kneel. You're not unspiritual if you don't kneel. The Bible's full of places of people praying when they stand, right? Uh, the prophet Elijah paced if you want to pace, find a little corner like my old German shepherd and, 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 and pace a little bit. That's all right, okay? You need to go into a corner and get a little ways apart. That's okay too. You don't have to pray out loud necessarily, but I'll tell you one thing, it helps because your mind will often overcome your spirit. But when you start speaking out loud, it will shut your mind up. 
especially if you're dealing with worry or fear. It helps, right? And so don't worry about people that, if they hear you. They're not going to write it down. They're not going to report on you. They're, they're not going to be embarrassed for you, right? We've got to have some, some opportunity here to have some, some intimacy with the Lord. So you can, you can kneel, you can lay on the floor, you can pace. But we're going to take, we've got about 15 minutes now and then we'll break. So I wanted to lay the ground rules. And what I want you to focus on is PTSD. You got three things. I want you to recall and stir yourself up by way of remembrance that daddy's heard my prayer. I remember when I broke my hand. And I was, I was 16 years old. And it was so painful. And I went to a Kenneth Copeland meeting and Gloria Copeland was preaching and it made me mad because I didn't believe in women preachers. And when she was done preaching, everybody started praising the Lord. And I lifted my hands to praise the Lord and it felt like I put my hand up into hot oil. And she says, the backs of somebody's hands are being healed right now. My daddy healed me. I was a 16-year-old punk kid. Any good? How many of you want PTSD? Amen. Let's just stand up and you go do what you want to do. Let's start worshiping and thanking him and thanking him and praising him. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done in my life, Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Let's take a minute, come back to our seats. I want to pry a little bit here. Ask you a few questions. Just because I know it'll bless all of us. Uh, your three prayer requests that God answered, your three answers to prayer that you wrote down. You know, maybe like popcorn. You know, did you ever put popcorn in them little oil things and you put a plastic lid on it and kind of shake it and, it, you know, up and... Not, not... I, I like testimonies that are like popcorn. Some people want a testimony and they want to preach at the 20-minute sermon so you'd understand what the praise report was. And then the praise report is God healed my finger. So, so I don't want to hear the 20-minute story, but I want to hear the popcorn. God healed my finger. You, you know what I'm saying? It's a good, good ground rule. So, Because so, uh, sometimes you want to express more because it's not really exciting that God healed your finger until you hear the whole 20-minute story of the, how serious it was. But in the end, God healed your finger. Well, amen? So... Because we want a good dose of PTSD. How many of you want a good dose of PTSD? 
Amen. Praise the Lord daily, the Savior daily. How about just just sharing with us one of those answers to prayer that maybe maybe yesterday, maybe a hundred years ago, you prayed and God answered. Who wants to jump up? Popcorn. This was a while back ago. I was giving God for a job, a truck driving job, and I was going up and down the highway testing this freight place, and I claimed this job, you know, and I see myself in there. And one of the times going up and down the highway, God stopped me and said, Do you want that job, or do you want the job I got for you? I let it go, and got me a better job, and I fought away. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. He cares about us so much. Come on, Alan. Popcorn. That one was a little long, sir. I, I can do shorter. <laughs> God told me I should move to Chicago, and I came up with instantly seven reasons why I didn't want to go. And he gave me one why I was supposed to go, and that was enough. Glory to God. Amen. Now, that's good dinner conversation. That, that, that guy's tricky. Now we got something to talk about at dinner. Somebody else has a praise report. Or, you know, answered prayer. Come on. Second vehicle. Okay. Second vehicle and we needed one. Amen. God gave you a second vehicle. Glory to God. Amen. Glory to God. You got one or are you just praising Come on, we want one. <laughs> After 10 years of marriage, it was over. Mm. And God restored better than ever. And I'll be celebrating 50 this year. Praise the Savior daily. Amen, Randy. Uh, several years ago, my first daughter went astray from the Lord. Mm. Am I, am I not strong enough that I can't return? Bring her back. She did bring her back. She did bring her back. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And that there will be increase in her life. Amen. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank, come on, let's praise Him. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. I bless you, Lord. Amen. Just jump up. Glory. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Working in a bedroom furniture store in 2008, and there was a recession, and my boss came out and said, We're going to have to close the store if this continues the way it is. And I, the Spirit of the Lord came up inside of me and said, What do you need to have to keep it open per month? God not only exceeded that that month, but the entire year, and she was Roman Catholic, but she was on fire. <laughs> Even Roman Catholics get PTSD. <laughs> Somebody else, come on. Well, anybody believing for a car, um, the Lord has given me a brand new debt-free car, and He did it for me. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen.
a bunch of cars, if I remember. She's a car magnet. Or maybe Jesus just loves her. So my very first preaching Bible, I went online and I found that it wasn't a well-known Bible, it wasn't a popular Bible. And I asked the Lord for it. Didn't tell another living soul what Bible I was asking for. Hmm. Like two weeks later, somebody brings that exact Bible to me. Glory. <laughs> Amen. It is special when nobody knows but Jesus. Come on, somebody else. Uh, I got instantaneously healed two times. One of allergies when I first got saved and one of kidney stones instantaneously. Ooh. Amen. Amazing. A little about over a year ago, I asked the Lord on some revelation about certain topics and not even time to say it again. Yes. Thank you, Father. Amen. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count. Yeah, you got one. I took a swan dive off the left, broke my pelvis in five places, and I asked God to, to heal me so I wouldn't have to go through any surgery or whatever. He fused the thing back together. Within a month, I was back leading worship. Thank you, Jesus. Take that, devil. Amen. There's the, there's the cure, PTSD. PTSD isn't a sickness, it's the cure. Hallelujah. In case somebody thinks I'm being crass, that's my advice to anyone with real PTSD. Amen. It is the cure. Amen. Got run over by a crane for three months. <laughs> Everything completely healed. Glory. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord God. Glory to God. Come on, somebody else. This is good for us. I heard he sunk a boat one time with fish, so I think it's probably good. He, he, he probably knows what he's doing. Come on, do I have to start pulling? I'll pull teeth if I have to. Come on. Every one of you's got three. Wow. Um, and my grandfather actually did have one, but then it passed uh, because of his heart. And so I asked the Lord to fill my heart, and it's not the things, and it's good. Praise the Lord. Amen. What, what, did it beat faster when you met Aaron Ray? Was that part of the... <laughs> or was that the second prayer answered? <laughs> yes. We miscarried two children, and we really wanted another one. Mm. Praise God. Hallelujah. Life. Hallelujah. I just did like five or six of them real fast. <laughs> so uh, my very first answer in prayer was I asked the Lord for a cat. I was five years old. And within the hour, he gave me a cat. We're going to have to talk about that theologically, but come on. <laughs> um, a couple years ago, I had, when I was in Turkey, I needed a code to open my phone and I 
close to another fit of PTSD here. Yeah. Angels, we f- that's how we find stuff. Yeah. Before I got saved, I had a compassion for children that, uh, that uh, just stirred in me. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. Amen. Last week I had to minister in Florida. Uh, night before I got hit with what symptoms was like a famous virus. That's been going on. And. <laughs>
be a minister for me full time to the nation. Yeah. And since that time, he has opened doors miraculously. I haven't had to open any doors because it's him doing it. Amen. Alex's prayers, though. <laughs> I know better. Yeah. 
I was a witness. You're shy. Shout a little bit. Hallelujah. Stir yourself up by putting yourself in remembrance of good things God's done for you. I don't know what year it was, probably 85 or 6. And, uh, Terry and I were just married. We were living in her parents' house, and they were in Florida. So every Wednesday morning, Terry would be at work, I guess. Bob would come over, and we had the house alone, and we, we would pray in tongues. You remember this. And we, we had a little notebook we put on a little kitchen table, and we would pray in tongues until somebody's name would float up. At people that weren't born again. And we filled up several pages of people's names and we would then pray for those people. And I don't know how many we had. There was a bunch of them. And every one of them was born again. All of them, 100%. And, uh, you know, it, it, it reacted on me to, 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 to ask myself, how much am I not doing? So I've often preached a message. How many of you heard me preach the 10 most wanted list? Do you have a 10 most wanted list? Do you got a list of people that you're praying for to get saved? You know, those, those crooks, those criminals, those in-laws? <laughs> those, those, the, <laughs> once they get saved, they're in loves. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? You, you know? I want to stir that up. I know uh, as I was praying, Lord, what three things do you want me to be praying about? I've, I've got all kinds of stuff I'm praying about, but I'm, what do you want me to pray about? Lord, Lord gave me three names. So I just want to share that with you. You say, well, can you pray and somebody gets saved? I thought their will was involved. Well, it is. But you keep showering people with the grace and the love of God. Don't you think their will's finally going to respond? They're going to say, hey, I want Jesus. But if they're living in an arid desert and all they're, they're dealing with is the world and demonic influence, of course they don't choose the Lord. But when they wake up in the morning and the goodness of God hits them in the face and they drive down the road and the goodness of God hits them in their heart and they go to work and their neighbor at the workstation as a believer. I know Terry's parents. I, w I want to encourage you in this. Because a lot of people get saved just because you pray. Terry's parents weren't born again. And they bought a trailer down in Florida. So we went to praying about their neighbors. There was 
there was an empty trailer beside the one that they bought. So a retired minister and his wife moved in next door. Amen. I mean, just pray that God bring people across their path. That they encounter, you know, how many of you go to a restaurant and you minister to the waitress? My in-laws would come back and talk about how the waitress would minister to them. Amen. Let's open our Bibles to Ephesians 6. Are you getting a little bit of it into your cross, so to speak, of where we want to go this week? I want you to leave Landmark this year knowing that you have prayed. I have made supplications and prayers and intercessions. We've contracted business with God. Uh, Mountain moving faith is your faith. You don't run it giants with your mouth shut. When you run at a giant, you want to be speaking his word. We've got weapons, and, and it's a, being negligent is a, is a sin. And negligence is not using what's available. And sometimes we are negligent, sometimes we are not. Let's all of us decide this is going to be a work, a week of work. I'm going, to, I'm going to pray. I'm going to work as I lay before the Lord. Here in Ephesians 6, he says in verse 17, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying. I've often preached this and I still get raised eyebrows. The sword of the Spirit is not the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God praying. When, when John had a vision of Jesus in Revelations chapter 1, there was a sharp sword coming out of his mouth. The Word of God held and encased between leather isn't effective. It has to be sown in the heart and, and spoken out in the mouth. And the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God praying. There's two ways then we can pray in the Spirit. One is to pray scripturally and pray scriptures. And two is to pray in the Spirit in the sense of praying in other tongues. The, the scriptures are authored of God. When you pray the scriptures, you're praying in the Spirit. The book of Psalms is not a hymn book, it's a prayer book. And it's a, 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 a been a wonderful lifetime lesson for me to pray the Psalms and to apply the truths of the Psalms to current events or to situations. There's no greater prayer of repentance in Psalms 51. There's, there's, there's no more close intimacy, in my opinion, than Psalms 23. I still remember going into the emergency room. A fellow named Charlie had broken his back. 
They got one x-ray. They had proof his back was broken. But then he was thrashing around so much they couldn't get any more x-rays. So they shot him full of uh, different controlled substances and waited for him to quiet down, except he wouldn't. And when I walked in there, they weren't going to even let me in the room. A little Asian doctor. Really, I mean, I'm not tall, just a little guy. And it really made me mad. He wouldn't let me in. And uh, finally, Charlie is screaming in pain. I'm sure the whole hospital's listening. It's so loud. And I don't know why, but when I finally got there by his bedside, and I locked eyes with him out of my spirit. I mean, I never did this before. I don't know. You just follow the Holy Ghost. But out of my spirit, I said, and I screamed it. I mean, I'm eye to eye, like this close. And I screamed at him, Charlie, give me a scripture. And out of these screams, and he was completely incoherent, screaming. He, lo he looked at me. There was a moment of recognition and I heard him say the Lord is and I knew it was Psalms 23 so I just started screaming the Lord's prayer into his face and about the second lap around he joined in and he, he was breaking it was, he wasn't able to say it fluent but about the second time he did and I watched the pain leave why? Because praying the word, the word is a lie. The word is a living thing. It's, it, 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 sometimes we pray in tongues so much we get arrogant like we got a secret. But a good old Baptist boy with Psalms 23 will go a long way. Amen. So I want to just encourage you in, in your praying. Don't divorce yourself from praying the scriptures. You ever hear of Dietrich Bonhoeffer? Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a, a pastor turned spy turned assassin in World War II. He twice tried to kill Hitler. Theologically also, as a, as a man of God. And, uh, but he wrote a very little known book on the book of Psalms. I'll bet I've read it 10 times. It's just a thin little book, but it's about praying the Psalms. It's an incredible book. It really is. And I uh, encourage you to get it. Dietrich Bonhoeffer. So when you look at your three requests, if you're, if you're to pray in the Spirit, well, you can pray in tongues, but you can also say, okay, what scriptures are involved with praying these three things? See, now, if, it's, if you're praying for a person's salvation, there's scripture involved. Like I said, you can go to the book of Acts and you can see how God opened the heart of Lydia, the seller of purple. Now, can't you use that scripture and say, Lord, bless Joe, the seller of Toyota trucks. Can't you, Lord open Joe's heart, right? See, now you're praying in the Spirit. They, the Lord didn't put that in the Scripture, but what he wanted you to use it. 
You can find that from comparing Joshua 1 with Hebrews 13. Whatever God put in Scripture, Paul said, was so that we may boldly say. Right? So we see that. Or, or you, can, you can find other Scriptures of, of how the people called, the disciples called other men to come and follow Jesus. And you can start praying about that. You know, I, we prayed that over all of our boys. That their friends that they would meet would be godly. Come on. So, so I can pray in tongues over my son or I can pray scripturally. Now that's just one area. You might be praying and asking God for a house. Was there scriptures about it? Sure there is. In fact, one of the things is, 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 is one house ain't enough because Mark 10 says God wants to give you houses in the plural. We had two houses and sold one and I'm, I'm feeling empty. Yeah, I'll take a development. All right. So you get scripture so that you're praying in the spirit. Praying, uh, 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 which is the word of God praying, always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Listen to me. Prayer often begins with things, but always ends with people. Don't be shy of asking God for your healing because it'll develop your faith to bless others. God's got enough healing to go around. You know, God heals you. It's not like somebody else didn't get healed. God heals you. Now your faith is stronger when you walk into their hospital room. Somebody said, well, I'm not going to pray for my needs. Why not? Because you need to develop your faith. You need to raise up your level of faith. Well, I don't need all that money. I do. Believe God for it. Give it to me. Amen. Somebody say, oh, no, I don't pray for myself. That, that, that's like the football player who says, I ain't going to the gym. I just go out and play the game. No, because by the time you get out to play the game, you better have a whole backlog of prayer experience behind you. And then when you face the bigger needs of life that God sent you and put you on assignment, well, that, that's nothing. That's nothing. When I had a fellow that was offered $30,000 to kill me, come and repent to me, he was shocked because I didn't have a reaction of fear. And he, he thought I didn't believe him. He, he was actually bolstering his integrity. He says, I'm telling you the truth. I knew he was telling me the truth. I just wasn't afraid. Well, why wasn't I afraid? Because a whole long line of experience, of prayer experience, of going to God when I was afraid. You know? Thank God I dealt with it back then on little things so that when you're now bringing to, brought to your point of assignment, you're prepared. Amen? It, have you ever thought of it that way? The struggles of your past really weren't your purpose. We all know that the lion and the bear wasn't David's purpose. For that matter, Goliath wasn't David's purpose. Right? So your prayer life in the spirit is important. And I want to encourage you that in that praying, he said, he said, pray and watch. Now, watching is used in several different places in Paul's literature concerning prayer 
And it literally means to watch like a watchman on the wall. It means to pay attention, to be on guard. When you're praying, be attentive. Why? Because God will change your direction. God will, will, will lead or guide you to where he wants you to focus. And, and allow him to. If you're too restricted in that and he wants to break you into another area, well, you, you, won't, you won't go that way. But if he wants to lead you there, well, go with him. So you'll find some of the greatest adventures in your life. And you answers, answers, answer after answer after answer from the throne of God. Because God wants answers in your life. Amen? Somebody said, well, what are you watching for? Oh, I don't know. Sometimes, I'm going to be honest, I don't think God deals with all of us the same. I've had people say they've seen letters and words. I've never seen that in my life, I guess. You know, I, I don't know. I, I kind of describe it for me, but it might not be the same for you. Sometimes I just have a, somebody's face comes up. Not like a vision, I just, like recall. You know, if, if you say somebody's name, you kind of, if I say, you know, think about your mother, you probably see her face. It wasn't a vision. It was like recall. So I'll be praying and I'll have this image, this vision, this recall. And I'll just start praying for that person. And then I'll walk into the living room and I'll stand there and Terry will say, you want something? And I'll just, hmm, no, hon. And just wonder what, wonder what Bob's doing. Bob McDonald. I never forget, I hadn't talked to him for like five years. I wonder what Bob McDonald's doing. Why, honey? I don't know, I was just praying. I just thought of him when I was praying. Oh, well, why don't you call him? Yeah, maybe I will. Phone rings. She picks up the phone. Here, honey, it's Bob McDonald. <laughs> Not making that up. He ended up pastoring the church because of that phone call. Where does it come from? Learn to be attentive in your praying. There's more going on than you really, really think about. He wants to unite with you and change things in the world. Amen? Isn't that exciting? He wants to use you in ways that will blow your mind. Anybody get excited when we did our little PTSD exercise? You know he likes that more than you do. You know he, he wants to do more and more and more. Amen. Who was it had more than three? I guess it was Jen. I encourage you to fill your books with them. So watch in the spirit with all perseverance. Now perseverance is simple. It just simply means you don't quit. So what that means is if you get tired in this next session, you keep persevering and you pray into the next. And you say, well, I didn't get much out of today's prayer time. Then you get here early tomorrow and, and we pray more. You persevere. You ever find out anybody who's become really good at anything, art or business or programming or hunting? Or, does anybody really get good at anything without perseverance? You really don't, do you? Persevere in your praying. 
and you'll begin to see results. Desire will grow. You'll pray more. You'll get bigger answers. Your desires will increase. You'll find that you get, you get a little bit selfish about your prayer time. Don't bug my prayer time. Yeah, why? Because you're getting results. Amen. We're going to have such an outpouring of answers and flood of answers. And in that, somewhere in that, and I'll start teaching on it Tuesday, somewhere in that we'll go from prayer to intercession, which is a big step. There's a difference. Because we begin with things, but we end up with people. And intercession specifically is to identify with people in their situation and to take on the responsibility of change in that person's life. And uh, we're, we're, we're all called to intercede at some level. And uh, in that, kingdoms are subdued by faith. People are delivered from death by faith. Amazing things happen when we enter into that level of intercession. So here, he said, pray in the Spirit real quick, and then we're going to start praying. Look at 1 Corinthians. I've taught this before, uh, but we, we always need to remind ourselves, and, and many times we have some new folks. But if we look here in verse 13, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 13, Paul begins to talk about praying in the Spirit with other tongues. And he said, he began, let's start in verse 13. Wherefore, let him who speaks in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. Now, uh, the King James here is a little blind, and most of the modern translations don't, don't help it much either. One of the Greek scholars, uh, uh, Vincent, brings it out very, very clearly in the Greek. Uh, the King James kind of lends this idea that I pray in the Spirit or pray in tongues, and then I stop and I pray a second prayer. And I've asked God for the interpretation. And that's not in the phrase, but that's kind of how we interpret it. So here I am praying, and I've prayed in tongues. Now I'm going to pray, Lord, give me the interpretation. Then I'm going to wait for the interpretation. Alan Vincent, a Greek scholar, brings it out. Uh, I was kind of glad I stumbled on him after I'd seen it in my spirit and was practicing it but I, I wanted some, some bedrock in the Greek. He adds the phrase with the intent. So he translates it this way. Let him who speaks in an unknown tongue pray with the intent to interpret. In other words, and this is what has been my experience. I'll, I'll start out praying in English before the Lord. And I like to pace. Sometimes I'll get on my knees, but I like to pace and I'll pray out of my English. And probably I'm not any different than you. I'll pray for about five minutes and I run out of things to pray for. You know, it depends on the day. You know, Lord bless Sid and Jen. And Lord bless my, my mom. Lord bless Terry and Ben and Amy and Zach and Jill and Ethan and you know and all, and you go down the list right and eventually you run out 
<laughs> and, and you run out of English. So then when I run out of English, I just switch over to praying in tongues. And I'll pray in tongues for about five minutes usually, sometimes longer, depends if I'm all frustrated or stressed or in strife or depressed or you all live perfect lives, I'm sure. But sometimes I have some rocky roads. But I'll pray in tongues for maybe five minutes and all of a sudden my English reservoirs filled up again. Well, where did that come from? It came from me praying in tongues. And all of a sudden I find myself, you know, praying for Sarasota, Florida in a new church. Well, where did it come from? Well, it came out of that, in English, it came out of that part that filled up after I was praying in tongues. So I'll pray out all that English that I might have. Sometimes it'd be a phrase or a person a little bit. Now I'm empty in English again, so I just jump back into tongues. And I don't know if you've ever practiced this. I've prayed this way my whole life. And miracles come out of it. See, you think it's got to be so supernatural, but it doesn't. It just kind of floats up. What is it? It's the interpretation. You pray it out. I, I've, I've, I've prayed like that, and all of a sudden things would float up, and, and I remember things that I forgot to do. And if you're not careful, you'll say, oh, you're keeping me away from prayer. No, you just prayed it out, dummy, so that you wouldn't forget it. So now at least go write it down or go do it and come back. Right? Didn't Jesus say that? If when you're praying you realize your brother has something against you, just keep on worshiping until it goes away. That's not what he said. No, no, he said leave that place of worship. Go get right with your brother. Right? So isn't it interesting when he came to worship, this thing floated up in his heart and he remembered he's got, he's got somebody that has something against him. So as you do that, you'll begin to touch the supernatural. Uh, I was praying like that with a group of our uh, assistant pastors in our house on uh, Garden Street one time. And we just, I said, let's just pray in tongues for a little while, which we're going to do here in just a minute. And I, and I was pacing right near our door, three or four steps, and you had to turn around because it's a real small house. And, and I'm just praying in tongues. And all of a sudden, I switched into my English reservoir and started to pray for Radiance. Radiance was our piano player. And I, I started praying, Lord, heal Radiance. And I noticed the other guy stopped pacing and looked at me. And I said, Lord, uh, uh, healer, I think it was leukemia. Lord, healer from leukemia. One of the brothers, Randy, spoke up. Radiance has leukemia? And I stopped. And I looked at him because I don't know where that come from. It was in that little English reservoir. I just prayed it out. Radiance didn't know she had leukemia, but two days later she was diagnosed with leukemia. So I walked into the hospital real bold. I said, don't worry, sweetheart. Your pastor's already prayed you through this. Told her the testimony. God had us praying, healed, healed a leukemia two days even before you knew it. I don't know, Radiance is on Terry's Facebook page. How many years ago that was? 30-some years. Glory to Jesus. 
Where did he come from? Just watching in the Spirit. See, and Ephesians 6 is for you too. Don't go looking at me as if that's my office. No, no, no. No, no, the Holy Ghost is in you. Amen. We, we pray that way for our children. I remember when the boys, we, we went away on vacation, came back, told them all they'd done. Zach sat on the couch crying. He was about 16 years old. He starts crying. He said, it's not fair. We can't do anything wrong, but the Holy Spirit tells off on us. I said, that's right. We knew right where the empty vodka bottles were hidden. Because <laughs> he showed us. Amen. You look at me crosswise, but you, you pray like that, and, and you'll keep your family from all kinds of harm. Amen. It's an exciting adventure. It's, it's an exciting place to go. And the Holy Ghost wants to swirl around in that English part. And that's where the interpretation is. You say, oh, you mean when I see that, my uncle's face, that was the interpretation? Yeah, you're praying in tongues. It stirred up your spirit. Now don't stop. Now you've seen your uncle. Call out his name and go ahead, pray out what you know in Scripture. Go ahead and pray out how you feel your spirit moving you. Amen. And, and, and then when you're empty again, just go ahead and pray in tongues some more. And that English part will fill up again. And every once in a while, you'll start praying out that English part, and the Spirit of God will come in, and that English, even as you're praying in English, that English part will fill up even more and more and more. And the Spirit of prophecy almost comes on you while you're praying. You don't even have to flip back over to tongues anymore. And it just starts to flow. I remember one time I'd come back from Kiev and uh, met the whole family. We were, we, all of us brought all the boys and grandkids together to this cabin up on a mountain. And I had jet lag, so there I am at 3 in the morning, wide awake. So I went out in the yard and was walking around this log cabin up on this mountain. And I'd, I was praying like this. And all of a sudden, I, I prayed out some of that English and it was, it, I think it was three in the morning. And all of a sudden, I just started praying out this well. And I, I don't know how many times I walked around. Never, never switched back in English. Just, just things come out almost revelatory in my praying in English. And I, and I prayed three straight hours just walking around. And it felt like 15 minutes. I couldn't believe it was 6 a.m. and the sun was coming up. It, I, I was so shocked. And Why? Because you, have you ever been in a sermon with someone preaching really anointed and, and they preach for two hours and then they're done and you're disappointed because you thought it was 20 minutes? Did you ever feel that way? See, what that was wasn't just the speaker being anointed, but it was you getting caught up into the anointed, the anointing. See? And the same in your prayer life. Because sometimes prayer will be grudging and laborious, laborious. But if you practice what I just was, was instructing, I have found that it is laborious at the beginning, but eventually you hit a gusher. And it just kind of lifts you. And you can pray some more. And then, you, then you're energized. You're not wore out. And I'll tell you what, when you, when you hit some of them, revelation comes in certain areas and fear goes and you laugh at the devil, 
and you pull your empty wallet out and laugh at it because Jesus has you by the hand. Amen? So that, that's enough to inst, inst, stir you up probably too much. Uh, wow. Next session starts at 3.15, is that right? Well, let's stand up. And we're going to preach or, or pray 10 minutes at least. And what I'm going to invite you to do, and, and I'll be more brief in this third session so we have actually time to practice and pray. Go ahead and let's pray in tongues 10 minutes. And practice that little lesson. Go ahead and pray in English. When you run out of English, start praying in tongues. Go back and forth. Let's see what God does for you. And I want to jump right back into a little bit of prayer in English and in tongues, back and forth a little bit. And uh, when we do, we'll, 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 we'll pray that way till we, we sense the Spirit moving a certain way. And at that point, I want you to be attentive. I'm just telling you now. Because then we're going to give people an opportunity just to share your experience. While I was praying, and the Lord showed me this about this, that I should be praying for this person or this issue or you know, all of a sudden, I had, uh, the Lord was having me pray about my debt. And then what we're all going to do is we're going to join with you on that, and we're going to pray the word over what comes up in your spirit. And we're just going to help you a little bit down the road a little bit, and you're going to see answers. And uh, that's going to be exciting. Amen? Amen. Isn't God good? I have... All you guys gave your prayer praise reports, and uh, nobody asked me for mine, so I'm going to give you mine. Last night, I was sitting in my office, which is I hadn't been in for I don't know how long, and I'm looking around, Lord, where's my phone? I know I had an extra phone, a Galaxy S22. I'm paying for it. And I don't remember where I put it. Lord. And I looked here and there. I looked in every drawer. I looked high. I looked low. I looked where I hide stuff. And where you will never go. And, and uh, I sat there in my chair. I said Lord I lost my phone. I don't know where it is. I've lost passwords. And he'd give them to me. Where's my phone? Levi walked up to me tonight and said. I still have your phone. Do you want it back? You're not using it? No. Yeah, give it here. <laughs> so thank you, Lord. Amen. That ain't no, there ain't no coincidences in God. Amen. So here's what I want to do. Let's take five or ten minutes, maybe a little bit longer. We'll see. Let's go back to that principle. Do you have that, what Alan Vincent said? He had it on his uh, tablet. You know, I've done this because I stumbled on it before I knew the Greek. I actually started when I read from John G. Lake, and he said, I get all my sermons by speaking in tongues. And when I, I was a teenager when I read that. It was a big orange book of his journal, and Gloria Copeland put it out. And it, it was so foreign to me, it could have said, 
uh, I get all my sermons from little green men from Mars. I mean, I did not understand how do you do that? But I just decided to try. So before I was getting ready to preach and I need a sermon, I would spend time praying in tongues and a sermon title would float up or some scripture would float up. See, I didn't realize, but I, I stumbled onto it. Well, now here, 1 Corinthians 14, 13 from Vincent's Word Studies, he said, commenting on pray that he may interpret, Vincent says, not pray for the gift of interpretation, but use his unknown tongue in prayer, which, above all other spiritual gifts, would minister to the power of interpreting. So when I pray in an unknown tongue, I pray that I may interpret. Keep praying until you get the interpretation. Now sometimes you'll pray for a long time and you get nothing. Usually that means to me that I'm empty. But you keep, Because there's a part of praying in tongues that's to edify you. There's a part of praying in tongues that's not for interpretation. It's to edify you. And when you're not edified... Your phone will tell you, you cannot update because your battery level's too low. So you got to keep it plugged in. Does that make sense to you? So you got to pray and get edified. But when you get full, it starts slopping over. A amen. And you'll get into other areas. I had, and again... I was a teenager, a lot of, lot of young people here. Why, why aren't you as weird as I was? Just experiment. I was invited to preach in a Baptist church. And I knew I wanted to get them. So I'm going to preach on the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I had my sermon that I was going to preach. I had all the outlines. And I decided just to do something just because I wanted to do it. I don't think God even inspired it. I just thought it'd be fun to try. So at midnight, I'm preaching Sunday morning at 10 a.m. in a little Baptist church in Centerville. You know which one I mean, where Doug got saved. Well, Saturday night at midnight, I'm in my uh, little apartment. Terry and I are engaged. So I moved into her apartment. She moved in with her parents. I ain't got nothing to do. There's nothing on TV, right? <clears throat> and that was a long time ago. And I decided, I'm just going to start praying in tongues. So I stayed up all night, me and several cups of coffee. And I pray in tongues, and I prayed in tongues all night long. Now, I don't mean, you know, if you pray like really vociferously, you'll wear yourself out. But I, I mean, just slow, like a, like an old diesel out in your front yard idling. Doesn't wear you out. And you can sit on the couch and drink your coffee all night. And then I got dressed in the morning while I'm in shaving and everything. I prayed through the shower, through the shave, prayed out to my car, prayed to 30 minutes drive. I know what I'm preaching. I'm preaching the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to get them. 
prayed my way right into the pulpit, opened my Bible up to my text, which was John 3, 16. I'm going to preach on the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I, my mind said, open your Bibles to John 3, 16. And my mouth says, open your Bibles to Mark eleven twenty three. I was like totally shocked. What on God's green earth is that? So I preached Mark eleven twenty three, And Doug McCray got saved. And Sheila Hanley rededicated her life to the Lord. Doug was on the right side of the altar. Sheila was on the left side of the altar. They met at the altar. They went on a date and got married and had kids. And he's still pastoring. I wonder if it had anything to do with praying in tongues all night. Because I'll tell you what, about a month later, they invited me back. So I preached the baptism of the Holy Ghost sermon, and they never invited me back. Hmm, think about that. So let's pray in tongues for a little bit. Let's stand up. Glory to God. Pray in your English, pray in tongues. Your English fills up, pray out in English. English runs out, pray in tongues. Karen just shared some things that come up in her heart and we prayed the prayer of agreement together. Has any of you been praying in the Holy Ghost and something came up really, really strong that you'd like to share with us and we'll pray with you? Anybody pray out a mystery or a burden? Hallelujah. Malemayeto kobrasto. Let's just keep praying, but don't feel shy. If something comes up in your heart, you can come up, share it with me privately, or we can share it with the whole group. Folks, uh, Alan's sister, Diane, was diagnosed with lupus a long time ago, 30 years ago. 30, 30 years ago. She's a believer. Her husband's a pastor. Uh, they've believed God for healing, but they've not seen a manifestation. She's not seen a, a manifestation. Anybody in here want to agree with Alan and me, and we're going to pray and ask God to Manifest this healing in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. 
we, we come before you, Lord, as a body, as family, in agreement for Diane. We speak to Diane's body in the name of Jesus to respond to the Word of God. She's healed in Jesus' name, and her body conforms to the perfection of which God has created that physical body. And that body was not created with lupus in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for the Holy Spirit dwelling within her, rising up in her now and giving life to her mortal flesh. The life you used to raise Jesus from the dead, that life that animated a dead carcass is in Diane now animating her physical body with life. Lupus, I curse you in Jesus' name and I command you to go. Thank you, Spirit of God, for manifesting the glory of Jesus. (laughs) Thank you, Father, for your healing power. Now let's have some PTSD. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll catch, catch, catch on here with us. We're going to pray for Pastor Bill. Uh, in the name of Jesus, I speak to his body. Be well. Be healed. And recover supernaturally swiftly in the name of Jesus. Lord, I bless you. We we see him in this place and we say, Live, live, live in Jesus' name. And what we perceive as a multitude of attacks from a multitude of directions, from a multitude of knives and incompetence. Lord, I speak to the spirit behind all that and the curse behind all that, and I say, you're done. Too far. In Jesus' name, I command you, spirit of death, to desist in your maneuvers against Bill Hake. I command you to retreat now. We proclaim freedom to the captive in the name of Jesus. And I praise you, Lord, for your healing power in Bill's body. I praise you, Jesus, for strength, strength to strength in the name of Jesus. I bless you for it, Lord. I bless you for it, Lord. Oh, Ramale Bata Rado Koho. Yes, Jesus. Joy, be made full again. 
Jesus, 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 Jesus. Glorious Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, Rama Rado Kuhu Sasahaeta Rado Stesehe. In the name of Jesus, we agree as a body. Aaron, 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 hear the voice of the Lord, Aaron. Return, return, return in the name of Jesus. You feel that anointing or is that just me? No, you feel that too. Oh, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Ebrala male sisi laharo loho shehe e kuhura mamaye ista saha e bromambaye do koho sobra maderibi ambra maleke o shalehestisi estu sohusta saha. E kurala narebe, o shtaye doko, o kaye neri alaka, ambre mosta, esti sihi shtoye toko, o vamahasta saha, i daramamaritiki, mahanerebe, nimarabaha, Glory to God, Yeshaye Hesu. Glory to God. So, 30 years ago, uh, 30 years ago, I don't even know how I got invited. But I took my assistant, Bruce Latibue at the time. Bob was off conquering other places. So I had, I drug Bruce down to Elwood City. And there was a missionary there from Bulgaria. And uh, <clears throat> this was 1992. And he preached a sermon from Psalms 107. They that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters. 
Say great waters. These see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. And then I don't know if he said it or he stole it from somebody else, which is probably more true. But this preacher said, and I wrote it in quotes, believe for great things from God and to do great things for God. So I don't know, Larry, did you come up with that or did you steal that? You stole that. Well, 30 years later, it's still good, stolen or not. Believe for great things from God and to do great things for God. Well, what he didn't know is I had already met a little little fireball woman by the name of Frida Lindsay. And Frida Lindsay, you probably never heard this part of the story. Frida Lindsay. Uh, somebody from her ministry called me and invited me down to Pittsburgh where she was speaking. And I, that's uh, uh, Gordon Lindsay's wife. At the time, she ran the whole Bible school and ministry in Texas. And uh, somebody called me directly and asked me to come down. And, and she was speaking. And I was thinking, well, you know, probably be a big meeting. Ended up being about 20 people. And uh, Frida, the room was a third the size of this room at a hotel. And Frida was there with a guy who just come out uh, from Bulgaria. I'll think of his name in a minute. And uh, at this, at, up to this point, I had done uh, a little bit. Philippines, Andorra, that's about it. And uh, so I was kind of a young guy thinking about doing more, but a little bit afraid to do more. And Frida prophesied over me that I'd go to Bulgaria. I didn't want to go to Bulgaria. So a little bit later, I met a missionary from Bulgaria, not the other guy. And I kind of warmed to him because he preached faith. So then... I still wasn't set on going to Bulgaria. Dave Esla drove through our town, missionary from Minsk, Belarus, and his car broke down. And to make a long story short, we helped him and God helped him. And he invited, sent me a fax, invited me to Minsk. Well, when when he wrote the fax and invited me to Minsk, I put it before the Lord and I had it in my heart as Larry had extended invite to go to Larry first and then go to Minsk. Right? Pretty simple. Actually, I was going to go to Andorra, France, Switzerland, into Bulgaria, and then up to, by train, to Minsk. Now listen to me, because you'll learn from this. Why should you go through all the hassles I've gone through when I can teach you in five minutes and save you a lot of sleepless nights? Because I had about three of them. Because I knew I had a deadline to win to buy the ticket. And I'd already put out the 
big fat word in my newsletter and everything else. And Bruce Latibio and I, are, we're going to go over to Andorra and visit Stephen. Then we're going to go to Bulgaria. Then we're going to visit uh, Larry. And then we're going to go to Minsk. And halfway around the world, of course, half the world will be saved. And there's one problem. I got about three days from when I had to buy the ticket and I had no money. Zero money. It's like, that's one of the reasons I like YWAM. Young people without any money. So what do you do when you ain't got any money and God told you to do something? You pray in tongues until your English fills up. So I went in my office and I had this map of Europe and the former Soviet and I laid it on the floor and I got down on the floor and I started praying in tongues and I put my finger on Andorra and I put my finger on Bulgaria and I put my finger on Minsk and I was praying in tongues and I tap, 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 tap and I'm just praying like that and all of a sudden it come up out of my English you got it backwards and I started praying Minsk, Bulgaria, Andorra and I just went the other way and I said Lord what are you saying and the Lord said you're going the wrong way you got to go to Minsk first so I had to scoot my schedule and I said, all right, Lord, I'll, I'll, I'll change the schedule around. And I'll go to Minsk, Minsk first. Now, you got to understand, this is long before cell phones. Long before cell phones, there was God. Yeah. So I made my changes on my ticket. As soon as I made the changes on my ticket, somebody walked up and gave me the whole amount. Shazam. So now I'm set to go, and I get a fax from Minsk asking me to change the time to go to Minsk, but I'd already changed the time. And if I hadn't followed the Holy Ghost, I would have completely missed the conference where, where it opened up all of Russia to us. But because that, that roadblock of no money... What do you get so upset about? Anybody in here besides me been upset because it seemed like there wasn't no money and there seemed to be some roadblock? Do you do understand God didn't run out of change? You know, you didn't pray and God say, oh, we're kind of tight. Gas is at 7-Eleven and diesel's at 8. Right? No. What's wrong when things aren't connected? I'm wrong, right? Glory to God. So I'd already made the changes and was going to come in early. And, and, and everything was set. So we arrived right on time. Isn't it good to be at the right place at the right time? And, and, and we went to Minsk first. We went then to Bulgaria. And then we went to Andorra and we met Stephen. And when I laid hands on him, Larry, the Lord admonished me. Thank you. Because if you hadn't gone to Bulgaria, I wouldn't have had to draw. And, and whether it means anything to you or not, you got an investment in everything we've done. Isn't that cool? 
I mean it with all my heart. I mean, look at all the flags. We got a new one back there in Morocco. Might not mean anything to you guys. Bob understands. Glory to God. So what are you going to do? You're going to pray in English. You're going to run out of English. You're going to pray in the Holy Ghost. Let's, let's, let's do it for a little bit more. Come on. There's mysteries in you. Your answer's in you. You got a roadblock of healing. You got a roadblock of finance. You got a roadblock of relationship. Pray it out in other tongues. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for Larry and Kay. Thank you for their girls and their investment in the gospel. Thank you for bountiful blessings back upon them, upon every way, upon those grandchildren. One of the one of the blessings of my life that the Lord blessed me with was a friendship with an older minister the name of Ralph Wilkerson. And on one one opportunity I was in Ralph's home 
in Dana Point, California. Beautiful, beautiful home. Looking out on the, the ocean. And his neighbor, Ralph's neighbor, was a fellow you might have heard of by the name of Oral Roberts. And uh, they were friends from boyhood. I mean, Ralph's one of these guys. He met Lester Summerall. Ralph was 14 when he met Lester, who was 18. <laughs> and uh, Ralph is the one who ministered actually the baptism of the Holy Ghost to Oral Roberts. And one of the things that Ralph was so happy with is that the Lord used him to teach Oral the power of your prayer language. Because Oral had come from a Pentecostal background and he had received, but he was not using his prayer language. So when, when I say Ralph ministered to him, it was to flow in what I'm teaching you. Now, the power of this is think about this. Here's somebody who knows nothing about education. He is a preacher. He is not a university president. He doesn't even know how to buy property that he would need. He doesn't know how to gather the talent and the brain pool. He doesn't know anything. Well, he knows one thing. He was driving by the, the, the uh, undeveloped section of Tulsa at the time which was just farmland and saw there was some several hundred, 700 or 1,200, I forget how many acres for sale because it was all worthless. And the Lord told him to stop. You got to be able to hear from God. The Lord told him to take a walk. You got to be obedient and do what God asks you to do. And he walked out in the middle of a field and put his arms on a fence post, looking at all this land, and the Lord spoke to him and said, I want you to buy all of it, Oral, and I want you to build a university and build it on the Holy Ghost. And Oral said, I, how do you do that? And God said, I'm giving you the same opportunity I had in Genesis 1 to create something out of nothing. So he stood there and did what Ralph Wilkerson taught him to do, which is what I just taught you to do. You pray in tongues until it floats up and you get the interpretation. So he stood there on that fence post for a couple hours praying in tongues and all of a sudden names that he didn't even know the names where they come from floated up and he wrote them out in a notebook. And he, and he, and he wrote all these different names and when he went and talked to people that actually knew the names, isn't it interesting that those names that he had on that list were, were all PhDs and, and, and involved in, in, in university administration and all kinds, all, all the names God gave him and all the names on the list come to work for Old Roberts. Where did those names come from? Out of his spirit. So dumb, dumb, don't ever say you don't know how to do something. You know how to do it. It's in your spirit. If God wants you to do it, it's in your spirit. Pray it out.
Pray it out. I shared with you yesterday, I prayed out all these cities. I didn't know the old names. It ain't me. It ain't you. It's not you. It ain't nothing anybody can brag about. It's tying in with the Holy Ghost. Amen. So let's just take another five minutes and pray in the Holy Ghost. There's your future's on the inside of you. Come on, let's stand up, pray. Got to work a little bit more. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. The Apostle Paul said in Romans 8 that if you mind the things of the flesh, it'll lead you to death. But if you mind the things of the Spirit, it'll lead you to life. And it's not that the mind has a spirit and the flesh has a spirit. It, it is that you have a spirit. And, and involved in the trichotomy or this tripart dimension of man's being, you, you can allow the flesh to dominate the mind and be trapped in that, let's call it a focus or a priority or a dependency. A lot of times when you're minding the flesh, which means the natural man, the physical man, the surroundings, your mind's focused on typically more influenced by emotions, events, circumstances, and all of them are real. But the mind was never intended to be servant to the natural physical realm through the flesh. There's another priority, but most people have never given it freedom because you've never developed it. And that is your spirit. And that your mind, just as your mind can be with the perspective or focus of the natural realm and the flesh, your mind can turn and be focused and receptive and of a perspective of your spirit. And that takes place when you do what we're doing right now. It's for the first time, your, ma- your mind is drawing fresh water from a well it hadn't drunk from for a while. And instead of getting the carnality that comes out of the world's system, which will lead you to all the lusts of the flesh and all of the pride of life and all the lusts of other things, then you get trapped in sorrow, bitterness. You get trapped in in, in all of these uh, uh, emotions that are actually very, very valid and very, very real. But you just... It's like you're watching the wrong TV channel all the time. But if you focus into the Spirit, you tap into things that do not belong to the flesh, will never come from the flesh, and the flesh knows nothing about peace. Do you know peace is a fruit of the Spirit? It's not a fruit of the mind. Whenever I find people trying to sort through, why did I do this? Why did this happen to me? See, what I realize is they're still minding the things of the flesh. And they're trying to resolve issues and come to a place of closure as if some logical process will set them free from what they're trapped in. But it never will. And, and, and so, but when you turn to the Spirit, I remember the first time I touched peace. Because I didn't know what peace was. I'd gotten saved. I still didn't know what peace was. I was suicidal. I was born again sticking a gun barrel in my mouth. But, but I got filled with the Holy Ghost one day and water baptized the next. I remember I came out of being water baptized. And it was a sunny day. And I just laid in the grass. And the first time in my life, 
I was like, but I knew what it was. Nobody had to tell me what it was. It was peace. I, I never had peace before. Oh, I don't want to go without peace ever again. But it doesn't come from figuring things out. It doesn't come from mental gymnastics in the realm of the flesh. When the mind minds the things of the flesh. No, but when your mind minds the things of the spirit, that's where love is. That's where wisdom is. That's where peace is. That's where joy is. See, and a lot of that is a whole other subject than interpreting your praying in tongues. But when you spend time praying in the Spirit with the intent to interpret, fellowshipping with the Lord, sure, you'll start laughing. You don't even know why. It's called joy. You ever met joy? Amen. And, and as you spend that communion and fellowship minding the things of the Spirit, oh, all, all, pardon my English, but all hell can be going on around you. And you can sit there with a cup of coffee in perfect peace. Amen. So we develop ourselves in the spirit. Can you develop your mind? Can you develop your intellect? Sure you can. Can you develop your physical body? Sure you can. And if you if you stop, you know, I, I once had a nice physique like this fellow, believe it or not. I once had. But then you stop doing what you need to do, and for some reason you end up looking like Bob. Oh, don't worry, he'll get me back. <laughs> it's fair game. But, but you know, <laughs> yes, he will. Yeah. And that's half the fun of it. But we know that in the flesh, don't we? Well, what about in the mind? Sure, you, you know, you, you stop adding and you start adding with a adding machine. I remember when I used to run a photography shop and I did all the sales on a little pad in my head. And then we got an adding machine or, or cash check what do you call it uh, register and now the thing told me how much change to give back it didn't take me three months and I couldn't add anymore because you, you stop using your muscle of your brain right but see brother Hagen taught us that you can train the human spirit and the more time you spend with him and even just experimenting, like I say, just I double dog dare you to get drunk in the Holy Ghost. I double dog dare you to spend days praying in tongues until you drive your neighbors nuts. Get over the, the stigmatism. Get into the spirit. Jim Sorensen was a head usher in our church in Titusville. And he finally, he finally, it took, it took several years but he finally decided to act on the teaching. And he said, you know, uh, I, I'm busy. I have a, a furniture store. I got a wife. I got a family. He said, I couldn't figure out when in my daily life could I spend time praying in tongues. And the Lord told him, you take a shower every morning, don't you? 
So he made, a, he made a covenant with God when he would go into the bathroom. When he closed the door, he'd start speaking in tongues. He said, the only time I'm not speaking in tongues is when I got a toothbrush in my mouth. Because <laughs> it doesn't really work real good. So you're in there 15, 20 minutes a day. From the time he went into the bathroom to the time he's going out to work, he's been spent 15 or 20 minutes praying in tongues. In 10 days, his life, his finances, his family, his marriage, everything was different. I'll tell you where it started. Everything started to look different. Because you're not minding the flesh, you're minding the spirit. And you begin to develop that spirit. And your spirit begins to, to blossom in such a way that what God's written on the inside of you, and He hid it in there by His Holy Spirit, He begins to bring it out. And you begin to just naturally see things and naturally have confidence in this guy and no confidence in that one. I mean, I thank God. I, my wife will tell you, I'm the most naive, bluntest knife in the drawer. But by the Holy Ghost, not anymore. I can see a, I can see a crook and a liar a mile away. I can even smell them. By the Spirit. But I know it's not a natural some people have it in the natural. They're, 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 they're predisposed there. Not me. Yeah. But by the Spirit. So, so as you develop and train the Spirit, uh, you'll find things will come to you without you knowing why. And at that point, you have to make a faith decision. Because even... Moving in the Spirit, you got to use your faith. And the faith decision is, is, do you trust it? The faith decision is, do you act on it? Because faith comes from how? Hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Who wrote the Word? The Holy Ghost, inspired by Scriptures are inspired by the Holy Spirit. So when the Spirit speaks, is it the Word of God? But see, you've got to determine that. And faith will come. And when the Lord says, go out on the deep. Go out on great ships, on great water. It better be God. When Jesus said to Peter, Come on for a little walk. It better be God. He didn't say, let's, come, let's go for a swim. And Peter walked on the water. See, at that point, you're placing faith in what God tells you. Gets rewarded. That's what excites me about you being here on, on an afternoon meeting. God had to tell you to be here. God told you. Get up from Florida and get to Landmark. God had to tell you. How's that any different than come out on the water? And you release your faith in that. And it opens up springs of answers and, and springs of inspiration. And, and I just fully expect you to open your notebook and just start writing. I had a fellow call me one time. I don't know when to end.
Somebody, Debbie here? She needs to tell me when to shut up. Eight? Yeah, okay. Thank you, Bob. I... That's why. I, uh, I got a phone call one time. I, was, I had a photography studio, and I was doing a little bit of computer sales because I had a friend, Tom Pierce, who taught me computers. We're talking 1984, five, a while ago. And Tom had moved to New Jersey. He got hired by this software development company. And one day I'm at work in my little office, and the phone rings. I pick it up, and it's Tom. I hadn't seen him for a couple months, and he's whispering. I said, hey, Tom, how you doing? I'm doing good. I just have a few minutes. Listen to me. I said, okay, are you all right? Yes, but I'm in the closet. I said, okay. He said, my boss is going to call you in a few minutes. Okay. He's going to ask you three questions. I said, okay. Say yes to each question. I said, okay, Tom, how, how, why should I say, I wrote the questions. Okay. <laughs> click, click. So a few minutes later, this guy's boss calls me. Tom tells me, you're a software programmer. Yes. <laughs> he said that you know the database programming language Clipper. Never heard of it. Yes. He, he, he said you can work miracles. Yes. So then he tells me that he had a client who wanted an accounting package written for as the largest pharmaceutical company in America at the time, Mellon Croft or something like that. And uh, so he, they, they, they gave him all this money to write an accounting program for a laptop because this is really cool. The salesman for the pharmaceutical could go into the hospital with a laptop and open it up and he had a current inventory and he could sell it right there. This is before internet. And that's really cool. So they paid him all the money, and this guy, does, back then, one person wrote software programs, not teams. So he had one of his guys work for an entire year, well, uh, uh, 11 months, because they had a year to develop it. And 11 months into it, only one month left, almost done with the whole project, the guy got mad at the boss, formatted the hard drive, and stormed out. Lost 11 months of work. And the guy's telling me all this on the phone. He says, now I can take the guy to court. I'm going to sue him and I'll get my money. He said, but I still, I'm going to lose my customer. I need, I need a miracle. I, can you program in 30 days a, a year's worth of work? <laughs> yeah, well, somebody besides Tom wrote the question. So I said, yeah. And he says, what do you need? I said, lots of money. And uh, Clipper just came out with a new version. Uh, so I need that. That was like 1200 bucks back then. That was a lot of money. 
and I need you to fly me out to your facility and I need hotel and let's, let's say 10 days there and then I'll come home and we'll do it in 30 days. And I acted like I knew what I was doing. I had never seen the programming language in my life. Now, that's like saying you're going to learn French in 30 days. Yeah. Well, to make a long story short, uh, I didn't do a lot of preaching. Terry didn't see me much. I pretty well ate and slept in the, uh, my office. And after 30 days, I did a year's worth of work. He was pleased. I got a whole bunch of money. And he couldn't figure out how I did it. Well, neither could I. Because you can't do it. You can't. I, I was working such late shifts that physically I could feel my brain getting stuck. Like gears. You ever have a gear on a bicycle where the chain gets in there so tight you can't even move? That's what my brain felt like. So what would I do? I'd get up and walk in circles around my desk. Until that thing would loosen up and then I'd sit down and, and, and write a whole portion of code. It'd just come out. And I'd look at it and say, I hope it works. And it would work. I did it for 30 days and delivered the product. It doesn't have to be for preachers. The problem with a lot of sermons is because I'm a preacher, that's the only thing people take away. And who needs tongues so that you can preach a sermon because you never preach a sermon. But it works for software design. Yeah. It, it, it'll work to make sure you get the best deal on your vacation. It'll work on your parenting your kids. It, 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 it's, he's the Holy Spirit. And anything you're interested in, he's interested too. It'll help you with singing. Well, maybe not singing, playing. It might help you with singing too, but you need, you need Bob's faith for that. Glory to God. Ah, he knows I love him. See, you got to go out into great waters. It's not just going over to a foreign country. It's saying yes. My friend said, say yes to all three questions. I wrote the questions. See, I sat there in a moral dilemma. Am I lying? No, my friend believed in me. He knew I could do it. He had more faith in me than I did at the point. Glory to God. See, experiment with some of these things I'm telling you in your situation. You want to write a children's book? Pray in tongues over it. Well, I don't know where to start. Get the paper out and pray in tongues. Walk in circles around the, the, the table and then sit down and do it. And you will. It'll come out of your spirit. Say, well, I don't know how to sow this to make it work. Pray in the Holy Ghost and he'll show you how to make it work. Amen. He'll give you understanding in any, you know, God knows everything. Everything. He knows how the electronics work. He knows all the, so I'll close with this because it's current. I, I like what I'm doing right now for one of the reasons is I'm meeting people who are doing things 
that are just outside my wheelhouse. Recently, I've had to learn about all the names of all these different kind of drugs and medicines, and I don't have any medical background. I mean, I've talked to so many medics, I could just about pretty well help you out if somebody shot you. I, I, I kind of know what to do now, you know? And uh, I know what cocktail they give you of all the, this, this stuff, and, and, you, and we're selling it and providing it and distributing it. And one of the things that you need, how are we doing on time, Bob? We're doing great. Is, uh, do you all know what a tourniquet is? Well, in the military, obviously a tourniquet has a a high degree of of involvement in saving lives. You get get your arm blown off, you got to get that thing tied down. So every soldier is supposed to have one, but they don't. And then if, if you have one and you lost your arm, you got to put it on with one hand. And there's a lot of movement and a lot of, you know, wrapping it around and hooking it and pulling it tight and twisting what they call a windlass. It's a, it's a big deal. And when you think about having to do it in shock and at a level of pain and perhaps fear because you're, you're watching, you know, you ain't got an arm and you can see your fingers five feet from where you're sitting. Putting that thing on has got to be an emotional deal. So it needs to be simple is what I'm saying. So I was dealing with several conversations about supplying tourniquets to people and there's a whole level of different kinds and two or three different accepted kinds, two or three that are out there because they're cheaper and then you got fakes, you got the Chinese selling fakes so they turn the windlass and it breaks and you die because you bought a cheap one. All kinds of weird things. So I'm going through all this for like three days and we're, we're giving a, a lot of them through. And, and in, in Odessa, this is, is kind of coincidental while I'm dealing with all these people about tourniquets. Somebody goes through Odessa and gives our team leader in Odessa, Adriel, $6,000 of tourniquets in a big duffel bag. And, and so Adriel's a medic. He gets out and tries to break the windlass. You know, he can't break it. He says, these are good ones, you know. So all this is going on. And here's Dale every morning doing my, my basic morning is to get up and ignore everybody in the world and putter around and pray. Sometimes I'll walk, sometimes I won't. But don't bug me usually from 7 to 10. That's me. That's Jesus, you know. So I've been praying in tongues and every day dealing with tourniquets and every morning praying in tongues and every day dealing with tourniquets and it's not my stuff, right? Tourniquets just medicine. But I'm dealing every day with tourniquets. And there's something weird about all this. Because you know if you focus on bad movies, you might have a nightmare. Here I am focusing on tourniquets, praying in tongues. And I get up one morning. And, and, I, and I put my belt on. And I look in the mirror. There's a full length mirror in this apartment. As I put my belt on. And I saw something I never saw before, an idea. And I ain't that smart. So at lunch, I have lunch with a couple medics. And I said, every soldier has a belt, right? And they're like, yeah. And I said, how come you ain't made their belt a tourniquet? 
And they said, well, it's been tried, but it don't work. I said, yeah, it does. It works. No, it's been tried. It doesn't work. It's, it just, it, there's these, and they try to make excuses. I do not like excuses. And I'm, it's really hard for me to tell a couple of medics, I was praying in tongues, and I looked at myself putting my belt on in the mirror, and it works. They're just not really going to figure that out, right? They already think you're weird. So I, I, I prayed some more, and I talked to some more medics, and I got my notebook out, and I, laid, and I went in a cafe where nobody would bother me, and I started to pray in tongues until I started drawing. And I started drawing belts, and I started writing down the problems of how can I convert a belt into a tourniquet. And, and it went through to another drawing. And, and I couldn't figure it out because what they said was true. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. But I saw it. So I prayed in tongues some more. And I got it to work. And this one works. And I got one medic so excited. And he says, please don't show that to anyone until you have them sign and do not disclose document and I'm like I've got a belt tourniquet that every soldier can wear to keep up his pants comes off really easy and if you blew your arm off you can use it with one arm but if you didn't blow your arm off and you need to use it on your leg it can also what they couldn't make it do unhook and hook back again and everybody has a belt I don't know how fast it'll get into development, but the medic wants to develop it. Why not, if it saves lives? Where did it come from? From a very well-educated man from Pennsylvania who knows medicine and has a degree. (laughs) And his name is the Holy Ghost. And what degree is he? Hot. He's really hot. The fire of the Holy Ghost. Now if God can give me ideas like that, He can give you ideas like that. Glory to God. The Holy Ghost is a genius and He'll make you look smart. Amen. Stand up on your feet. Out of this, i just be so tickled if somebody listening takes this and experiments with it and goes and writes a children's book, somebody listens to this and goes and designs some new tool, somebody listens to this and prays in the Holy Ghost and designs a new dress. Amen. Glory to God. 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 It's how you're going to get to the Philippines, Bob. Same principle, isn't it? Pray your way there. Mola malehe. E bromalaha Oh ramalaha narebehe se se he. kurala malaha nerebete kehe se Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
Thank you, Jesus. Now, I'm going to close with just one thing. If, you're, if you get serious about this and you practice it, it will work. But one thing that will help you, when you pray in tongues, then you pray it out in English, take the next step. And, and I learned this from John G. Lake, too. He said, I never go to sleep, but would I have a notebook and a pencil near my bed? Carry it with you in the car, wherever. Because you'll get an impression sometimes. You might be praying all, all day and then go to sleep, wake up in the morning, go stand in front of the mirror and shaving. And all of a sudden, there it is. It's still the Spirit of God. You, you just got into a position where you shut your mind off of, of being possessive and dominant and your mind kind of submitted a little bit and got quiet and your mind then flipped over to the Spirit, became Spirit-minded, and all of a sudden, there's your answer. Whew! Well, then write it down. And, and like, like this, page one didn't work, page two didn't work, but I knew I'd seen something. Page three works. I'll put it in prototype and it'll work. But you got to keep, keep at it. Keep, keep praying, keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. You'll get it. Amen.